The Minor Constellations Podcast. Conversations with engaged thinkers and doers. I'm Kathleen Sampson. And I'm Yair And we're doctoral fellows at the research training group Minor Cosmopolitanisms, which hosts this podcast. In this episode, we host a conversation between Dr. Leila Zami and Jan Dummel. Dr. Zami is an academic and artist working in the fields of the humanities, performance studies, and art history. She is currently a visiting assistant professor at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. She also curates for the International Human Rights Arts Festival in New York, together with Oksana Chi. As a member of Oksana Chi Dance Art, she is also regularly involved in projects here in Berlin, such as the August 2021 festival she co-curated with Oksana Chi titled Transitions, Festival Jüdischer Gegenwartskünste, or Festival for Contemporary Jewish Arts, where she also presented a lecture performance. Jan Damel is our colleague in the RTG Minor Cosmopolitanisms. He works in theatre studies and investigates constellations of resistance and complicity in theatre in colonial German East Africa. He met Dr. Zami at her award-winning 2016 seminar at the Humboldt University and has continued to engage with her work over the years. We listen in as they talk about Dr. Zami's recently published book titled Contemporary Perform Memory. Dancing Through Space-Time, Historical Trauma, and Diaspora in the 21st Century. So thank you, two of you, for joining us in this conversation. We are really excited to have you here as part of the Minor Constellations podcast. And we are really, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing your thoughts and uh, your work. Yeah, thanks to you, Kathleen and Yael, for having me. And thanks so much, Lila, for accepting our invitation. <laughs> so uh, just before we dive in kind of to your interesting conversation, we wanted to contextualize our conversation as we are hosting it from Berlin. We're also trying to think from the place uh, we are located. And it's very interesting to think through that because uh, your book, Lila, deals with performance and memory and kind of echoes for us the current debates and controversies regarding memory culture in Germany. And as you probably know, uh, the translation of Michael Rothberg's multidirectional memory steered a controversy as he was blamed to relativize the Holocaust. And in that sense, your book that is dealing with performances that deal with different atrocities, such as the slave trade, Holocaust, Nakba, and other colonial atrocities, and try to kind of think about them together. Um, how is it? How can it relate to this controversy? Or can one interpret your work, so to say, as as practicing a multidirectional way of of thinking? How much of your work is informed from this kind of way of thinking? And how do you relate to those debates taking place in in Germany? And also, if, if maybe you can say something about the fact that your work is informed by the way that you move between locations, context, and languages. Great. Um, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, those are many questions in one, so I'll try to um, answer them. Um, I was inspired by Michael uh, Rothberg's book, so I appreciate that you mention it. I cite his work in my book, and we also know each other. Um, in a way, it's interesting because my whole life, my cultural heritage in itself is um, a web of multi-directional memory, if I may say. And um, I, I always grew up with really having an understanding of this. Um, I have a very diverse cultural heritage. I always saw it as a richness, as a strength. 
Um, and I was always interested in memory and in, um, you know, the trauma that maybe um, happened in history and how that intersects with my family. So when I read about this um, idea of multidirectional memory that really rang a bell for me, and I'm really happy to witness that there is more discussion of Rodberg's work in Germany now, um, even though it's, you know, controversial, because uh, before I released my book, um, I didn't hear so many people being aware of his work. Of course, people know his work internationally, but here in Germany, I didn't hear about his work very often. Um, but I really want to also acknowledge um, Marianne Hirsch's work on post-memory and also Toni Morrison's work on rememory, because all of these three kind of came together in informing how I work. And we probably get back to this um, later, talking about my concept. Um, I think that yeah, this German debate is interesting. I would definitely also say that the competition of suffering or memory doesn't make any sense. It is just probably, you know, re revealing that what we what the Germans called uh, Vergangenheitsbewältigung, uh, right? This way of kind of dealing with the past of, or closure with the past is really not done yet. And uh, this really still needs to be ongoing. And although some people have an understanding that Germany really dealt with its uh, past, it's actually not the case. There's so many um, perspectives that have not been heard yet. And so part of what I was trying to do with uh, my book Contemporary Poor for Memory was to, you know, bringing minor perspectives or perspectives that are being minoritized to the front stage, as I like to say, in this case, um, in multiple ways, because there are a lot of women, there are women of color, black women, um, Jewish perspectives, people who are from the global south, and also they are dancers and choreographers, so they are not people that are usually being heard in the memory debates, right? So I hope that answers your question in a way, and if you want me to refer also to the languages and the locations, because yes, that intersects. Um, I grew up in France and also in Germany, and I had the privilege to live in South Africa and Cameroon and to study also different languages, and as as you can read in the book, I was traveling a lot while I was doing this research, uh, thanks to the support I had from the ELES Scholarship Fund. So yes, that definitely informed me because I wrote very differently whether I was in Germany or um, in the United States, um, and even sitting on the airplane having these kind of reflections. And I think, I, you know, I think in French and German and in English, and also I am able to read different sources. And so that certainly also informs how I deal with words, with languages, even this idea of the word of memory, how it is expressed in different languages, Erinnerung and Gedächtnis in German or Memoir in French. Great, thank you. Thank you so much, Laila. You are already talking about readers of your book. And I have to say, um, I was on a holiday during the summer and uh, I, I worked through the book. And yeah, I, I have to say it's a true gift to readers students, academics, people outside of academia, I guess anyone interested in, in dance, performance, memory and history and trauma. Um, and I'm actually particularly because this is mainly the space I'm speaking from, like university spaces in Germany, uh, where I've been sitting as a student uh, in theater studies. For them, it will be an amazing gift because not only are you jumping between the gaps of hegemonic narratives, as one of your heading um, is called, also in a very multi or transdisciplinary way, um, as you say, you gently move between and connect many different fields that need to be in conversation 
but often are not in those hegemonic institutions. So you link gender studies, cultural studies, dance studies and performance studies. You work towards something what you call feminist global memory studies. You bring in post-colonial perspectives. Yeah, that's really um, inspiring. It was a fascinating read in many ways. And also for me as a fellow performance scholar, because I'm interested in how present and past intersect in performance, as you work on a lot in, in your uh, book, and how performance addresses and resists hegemonic, especially colonial structures. So super glad we can have this talk today. So I, uh, I want to get right to it and start with the title and your main concept. The title is Contemporary Perform Memory, Dancing Through Space-Time, Historical Trauma and Diaspora in the 21st Century. To our listeners, maybe it's important to point out that Perform Memory is written in a particular way with a capitalized M, where performance and memory intersect and meet. So as you lay out in the book, um, Perform Memory is both a noun and a verb. So I want to ask you, what is perform memory and what is it to perform memory? Or let me maybe rephrase, um, how do the dance pieces you analyze perform memory? And how does this way of performing memory relate to how memory is performed on a more general hegemonic level? Thank you. Um, I know we're in a doctoral fellowship office here, so I, I knew there would be very deep and uh, interesting and um, complex questions. So I thank you for that. Um, so I mentioned Toni Morrison, rememory, right? And rememory is also a noun and a verb. So in this case, this is what inspired me to have even this idea that if I come up with this uh, word of perform memory, could, why not could it be a, a noun and a verb? And to trace a little bit back, I was part of a project a few years ago while I was still a doctoral student and we were a working group. We produced an anthology called Interdependenken, which is a verb in German and it comes from the intersection of interdependencies, so the idea of intersectionality and Denken, which is to think in German. And that was the first time that I actually experienced this possibility to experience, uh, experiment sorry, with language in an academic context. And here I was grateful that uh, Lan Hornscheid, who was my thesis advisor, made space for uh, being able to, you know, really renew language and uh, make innovations with languages because language frames how we think. And so if we want to move beyond transform society and have new modes of thinking, for me, it really starts with finding new words or maybe new forms of expressions. And so back then I was already interested in finding our own words. And I think, you know, this also has to be specific to the language you're working in. So in this case, it was intersectionality. I found the word intersectionality needed to be updated or adapted for the German context. Uh, coming back to perform memory, I was working, you know, on this topic and traveling and analyzing performance works and also being myself on stage. And I, it was almost like a physical experience. I was realizing more and more, this is melting into each other. How I could not start see anymore where performance ends and where memory starts, um, if I can you know, describe it in a visual way. And that is also how I experienced it when I first saw the piece Through Gardens by Oksana Chi, which really inspired this whole work. Um, at that time, I didn't work with Oksana Chi yet, and uh, today we are work partners, we are also married. Um, and so it was 
you know, I was in the audience and I was really realizing that she's not only performing memory on stage, but she's creating what I ended up calling perform memory. So for me, it was really important to name when memory is happening through performance, it's a different form of memory than the one that you may find in literary or visual arts engagements. And of course, I cannot summarize this in just one sentence because this is why I wrote the book. It's something more complex that I wanted to engage with. So that's why I take the lens of diaspora. I take the lens of space time to kind of really get at the core of what it is. And really quickly, I was to realize that to perform memory is actually an act that involves um, <clears throat> bringing one's body on stage, which in certain cases also comes with a lot of, um, you know, this, this, uh, disturbing hegemonic relations when it's the case from people who normally are minoritized, as I mentioned before in the field of memory studies. Um, what is really interesting also to note is that when people perform memory on stage, um, they are still there's always race and gender and other factors that might be present, right? Versus a painting that you might see on the wall. And so it's really interesting to see how all of these artists negotiate this on stage, because I find that in a way they definitely position themselves and they work within uh, positionalities that they're identifying with, but also sometimes they really find ways to move beyond that and to make us see different fingers in them. And um, I think that's also a really interesting aspect to note. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to have a quick follow up. So while I'm listening to you talk, um, and I'm I'm kind of as you mentioned, we're we're sitting here in a in an office on a university campus, and of course we are all working in various academic fields. And I myself am a literary scholar, and you're talking about this kind of act of creation at the same time as an act of knowledge making. And so this is like very interesting for me because. Um, you know, we we tend to work with writing as the primary form of our knowledge production and the means through which we often encounter um, or in this case, like memorialize the past. Um, and so this writing is like a historiography, right? But it seems like perform memory kind of counterposes or responds to um, this kind of form of knowledge production of historiography by an acting, as you're talking about, like this kind of act of creation um, of memory and it's also very embodied and um, kind of yeah an embodied knowledge creation so I, I firstly wanted to ask is it challenging to write about because as you were saying you had to put it in a whole book um, is it challenging to write about perform memory um, and how do you kind of resist that can we call it power or violence that writing can enact um, and then more sort of to the point is um, can you maybe just also talk a little bit about the differences between these two modes of engaging with the past and producing knowledge that I guess you have to work between? Yes, um, it certainly is challenging to write, I think, about choreography and dance. And this is one of the first um, questions that Lan Honchad asked me when they were advising my work, because he <laughs> said, well, are you aware you choose a medium that's really a different one from the one that those artists chose? Uh, but then I challenged also in this answer because I said, you know, people sometimes think maybe dancers want to be writing or so. Some of these dancers that I interviewed, they really have so much to say about their own works. And that's why, as you know, I include the full transcripts of all the interviews that I conducted with them. So it's almost a book, like a book in the book. And I really appreciate that when people are reading the book, they jump back and forth. Some people reported to me that they read you know, my chapters, and then they jump to the interviews, which are at the end, and then they go back to other chapters. So it's also possible to read it in that way. 
But in my case, um, certainly writing is a form of power. I would, I would say I did not want to resist it. I, I really wanted to uh, choreograph my writing. And so I was trying to take everything that I was breathing in on stage and what I was learning from being involved with a dance company, which is Oksanachi Dance Art, uh, being on stage, accompanying her as a musician, as a you know actor doing spoken words, this other knowledge that is being generated on stage. Because I believe very much that also performers generate knowledge that is as valuable, or sometimes happens also also even before theory. So this epistemic power that they have, and thinking how can that influence my writing? How can this lead me to write differently? And in turn, you know, then. Um, generate different forms of knowledge. So that's what I was trying to do very much in my writing. And I mentioned in the book um, Oyeronke Oyewumi, who um, is a scholar who speaks about the, the bias that we have in the West with the overprivileging of the vision sense. And so she gives the example, even the, the word worldview. Um, and so what I was trying to do in my writing was to see, I when I describe, because sometimes you want to describe also what you saw, how, am I, how can I describe the performances or comment upon them or analyze them in a way that doesn't only acknowledge that I was viewing them, that I was seeing them through my eyesight, but also that this was really a multidimensional experience that happens through other senses. And so I was trying to make space for that. And I, I hope that is, you know, that this reflects in the writing and makes it rich and nuanced. Thanks so much for that, Laila. Yeah, maybe uh, thoughts I have directly related to, to that. So dance is a form of cultural production that often has been, you know, marginalized. And you also said it in the book, like in memory studies, in discourses on memory, it's like marginalized. And it's like an other medium. But at the same time, I think the little I know about dance studies is that there's a very close link between dancing and writing. You know, already in the choreography, you have the writing, a body, a performer, someone perform memory, doing perform memory. <laughs> I struggle with using it as a <laughs> That's right. Um, sort of writes into space, writes into history, their act, their performance. So what I was uh, getting at with those comments is to ask you to bring us in your repertoire of perform memory, the repertoire you assemble in this book. Uh, you discuss seven concert dance performances by seven dancer choreographers with very different artistic practices and uh, they also bring to the stage very different legacies and positionalities. So I would like to quote you, they are based in Germany, Taiwan, Martinique, Palestine, France and the USA. The choreography sometimes relates to their genealogies located in Afro-descendant, that is Afro-European, African-American and Caribbean, Jewish-European, Palestinian and Chinese di diasporas. And I want to quote you again, they are seldom brought together within hegemonic, aesthetic, choreographic, geohistorical or political delimitations. So as a performance scholar, I have to say your work, when it moves towards performance analysis, because we were just talking about how to write about performance and dance, um, it includes beautiful descriptive vignettes of your experience as an audience member, but also sometimes as a co-performer, but also about your uh, descriptions of your bodily experience of writing, which we often forget in academia. Um, so, can you introduce us to one or maybe two examples of the repertoire of your perform memory? Uh, what do they do? What can we as audience members experience? And, and whose memory do they perform? Yes, yeah, so I would start really with Through Gardens, 
um, by Oksana Chi, who, as I mentioned, is uh, my wife, because this is really the piece that brought me to this. If, that, if I hadn't seen this piece, I wouldn't have done a PhD about all of this. And I saw this piece in Berlin in 2009 at the Werkstatt der Kulturen, and I had seen already, you know, posters in town, and the advertising was that it was about Tatiana Babakov, who was a Chinese-Russian-Jewish dancer and choreographer. So I found, you know, that um, announcement already interesting, and then I could see Oksana Chi was already quite known. Then she's quite known in the Freie Szene, the kind of off-scene performing arts in Berlin, and is positioned as an Afro-German, as she liked to say, of Eastern Nigerian and Eastern European descent. So I found already this intersection interesting because I hadn't heard so far. I had read so many books about. Um, Jewish history in Germany and people who lived through that time period and who perished, who were killed in, during the Holocaust. Um, but I hadn't heard so much, you know, perspectives from, let's say, an Afro-German person who's interested in telling this story. And so I went to see the performance and I was really touched because it just opened a new dimension for me. And it made me reflect, actually in that moment when I was in the audience, it made me reflect on how I had been told history in school throughout my life, you know, and there was something really oppressing about the way we had learned about history and not and, and deeply unsatisfying also. And the more it was about numbers, the less the individual stories were disappearing. And what this dancer was doing on stage, that this was why also I write a lot about solo artists or solo works, let's say, because some of the artists I discuss sometimes do group works, but I focus in this book, I f focus on their solo works. What, what she was doing on stage was really embodying one story or a choreobiography, as I say, through her perspective. And of course, it's through her lens. And so she doesn't also claim to be telling the whole truth. But it was then having a very different impact. And because it's live dance and live arts, and as we especially know now in times of pandemic, how we know how different it is to see something on screen or to actually be in a theater, it had a very strong intensity, which is what brings me also in the book to to speak of um, intensity as a space-time of perform memory. Um, because you cannot obliterate the fact that there's an actual human who is on stage also and performing the story for you. And so I think that's also very strong potential of this piece. And so to come back yeah, to this piece, um, I don't want to describe it all because I hope that you get to see it live one day, but basically what the dancer is doing is that she's telling Tatiana Babakov's story on stage in a very abstract way, in a very poetic way, showing very different aspects of her trajectory and emphasizing resistance especially, which is another aspect that I found that was really missing in school books or in the way that people generally speak about the uh, period between the 1920s and the 1940s. So also being aware that people have been doing resistance to the oppression that they were experiencing. And that was very visible on stage. Um, so that is a, an example that's very dear to my heart. And another example that I could mention would be Digital Middle Passage by Andre Zachary, who is the artistic director of Renegade Performance Group. He is based in um, the US. Oksana Chi and I are based in the US by now also, as you know, but he is uh, African-American of Haitian and African-American descent. And in this piece that is also very powerful solo, he engages with the traumatic memory of the middle passage within 20 to 30 minutes on stage. And it is also contemporary dance, so it is abstract. 
it is also very um, powerful ritual almost I may say in a way he comments it very interestingly in the interview of what his feelings and experiences are when he's being on stage in relation with his ancestors telling these stories so that is another example of a piece that I also saw live and that I discuss and that helped me to think about memory and perform memory differently because I really want to emphasize that what dancers do on stage, I read a lot of theory and I have a lot of theory in the book, but really what performers were doing on stage is what helped me have a really clear understanding of um, how memory works in the present and also moving forward thinking, you know, especially for the future, how, why, why do we actually even want to um, think about how memory is being transmitted? It's maybe because we want to um, have a transformation in society for the future. And so, yeah. Thanks so much for taking us with you in those spaces of performance and your, also your experiences of, of watching and experiencing them. I maybe want to briefly connect to this because um, I now again to get how what you said earlier, performance and memory intersect because I would say also on a methodological level, performance and memory intersect because it's for us performance scholars, our memories of performances is sort of the very medium You know, we can't work with a fixed image or like a text that's not moving. We have to work with our memories in order to turn it to writing. So um, that's important. And I want to speak to what you said, you know, when you sat there and realized you weren't told those histories. And I had a maybe comparable experience just uh, last week when in the Transitions Festival, um, it was like the world premiere of the new piece by Oksana's um, company called Frida Kahlo Bolero. Again, a choreobiography of Frida Kahlo. And I remember sitting there and checking the biography of Frida Kahlo because, <laughs> okay, because you know, it was a festival for, for Jewish uh, arts, uh, you know, contemporary mm -hmm. arts contemporary. and also bringing BIPOC perspectives in conversations with them. Um, and, you know, She was framed as uh, Mexican, German, Jewish. And, uh, you know, I have learned in school, in art history, <laughs> only of, uh, you know, Mexican side. I never knew the, the, the Jewish legacy in, in her, or her genealogy. And so I sat there and realized, oh, I've been taught in a major hegemonic way, again, about the history of this um, woman. Yeah, wanted to bring that in. It's great to hear your experience of what it was like being in the audience for the world premiere of the piece that is called Wings to Fly, Frida Kahlo Bolero. Um, those are all biographies that have been challenged, if I may say. So it is interesting that you mentioned this perspective, that you were not told in German context about her Jewish ancestry. So Frida Kahlo is of uh, Mexican, yes, ancestry, that's how we learn it, but also what is here being silenced often is that It is an indigenous ancestry, partly, and a Jewish ancestry on the father's side. And in her case, as in the case of Tatiana Babakov, who is the other figure that I mentioned earlier that Oksana Chi deals with in Through Gardens, there have always been a controversy about their heritage. And I find that really interesting. What, what, is, what are all these questions? Why do people have to question the way that these historical, very powerful women tell their own history and, and tell us where um, their legacy is from. But it's still interesting to ask, you know, why is it, 
when do these when do these debates happen of whom are these questions being asked so i find it interesting how this intersects you know this whole idea of race and gender and who gets to later on when these people are not here anymore to tell the story to kind of challenge how they um, frame themselves yeah and maybe i have the feeling we are coming uh, full circle um, and as a final question i want to ask you how then do those performances interact with those disremembered histories because at, in, in the introduction at one point you say oksana chi in through gardens fills in the gaps those gaps that have been uh, disremembered so Yeah, could you maybe again speak briefly about how those performances you engage with engage with what has been lost or disremembered? I think what one of the main achievements that they are doing is that they're really disrupting our sense of linear time. And that is very much um, something that we're used to in the West. And here again, this is witnessing through gardens that brought me to this because in through gardens, Oksana has a very circular dramaturgy. The, the piece is constructed in a way that kind of makes a full circle. And that led me to having uh, very deep reflections about how temporality can work in different ways. So that's why I have a whole chapter, which is secretly my favorite chapter. Um, I think that's how it is also, you know, when you write this kind of book, you get you dive more and more in and you're more and more into it. And in this chapter, I write about experiences of time or space-time in each performance and I come up with a lens or keyword for the way that I experience time in each performance. So let's say um, circular time in the case of through gardens, in the case of digital middle passage that I mentioned earlier was uh, time is in suspension and there is all these different experiences and they may intersect with what the choreographers wanted to express but Sometimes they may also, I can say it may collide or collude, right? So if you read the interviews, you might see, oh, that's exactly what they wanted to say. Or maybe they have, the choreographers had something different in mind. And that's also okay, I think, to bring your in interpretation of it. Um, I also conceived the book as a spiral. And it's it's interesting, you know, it makes me think of a lot of things. So I have very different refer references here. I, I read uh, Byung Chul Han who's, as some people like to say, is um, the most one of the most famous contemporary German philosophers is of Korean descent, so that is also important to acknowledge. And he speaks a lot about space-time and different forms of space-time from a non-Western perspective. Um, and I was also very interested in the way that Afrocentric experiences of time work also, because what we have to remember is that we sometimes speak of, about all of this as if it is new, and it came up through academia, but sometimes we are actually referring to things that have been existing and generated as knowledge in ancient times too. Maybe they have been expressed differently and not necessarily in the book. So what I try to do is really to bring in, you know, innovative theory and an experience of these very contemporary performances and also an understanding of more ancient form of knowledges and how this can all come together um, today to generate what I come to call um, perform memory. And that's why I really like the word constellation. I like that your podcast is called Minor Constellations. It's uh, very interesting because I can, if I can recommend also another author, there is an author of indigenous descent. Her name is Lian Beta Samosake Simpson. I have her reference also in the book, who speaks about different forms of knowledge, academic or not, and 
constellation is one of the concepts that comes up there. So I find it interesting to think of all of these performances and these memories as constellations. This brings us even more, always more away from the from the linear perspective. And Paul Clay liked to say that a line is a dot that's going on, on a walk. So I would like to say that, um, yeah, maybe perform memory is, you know, a dot that's dancing in a circle or something, <laughs> if we can find a new image, yeah. Thank you both so much for joining us here and for allowing us to listen into your conversation. To listeners, do check out our website for more information, links, and references. You can find us at minor.hypotheses.org forward slash podcast. 